Today on CityCast Boise, Pride Month is in full swing, but here in the Treasure Valley, we get to celebrate twice. Donald Williamson with Boise Pride Festival shares why the big event happens in September, how he deals with hate, and why he's still waiting for an apology from some local corporate sponsors. It's Wednesday, June 14th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Donald. Welcome to CityCast Boise. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, happy Pride Month, first of all. How are you celebrating this year or thinking about the month for the community this year? Boise Pride uh, put together a few new events this year. Um, you know, as you know, the festival's in September, so that opens up some options for us to do new things. Um, so we started off with a, a Pride Month kickoff, just a social kind of get together at Western Proper downtown. Um, and then we just recently had a uh, what we call Hometown Drag Show 2, uh, which was a drag show um, with local performers at the Egyptian Theater that had huge turnout that was a great success and we have a couple other love events scheduled for the rest of the month i know on the 17th there's going to be a pride uh, bar crawl where this national company has picked boise pride festival as the benefactor and still taking 20 percent, i believe it is of the ticket sales for the bar crawl and donating it to boise pride so we're looking forward to that so there are a lot of events in Boise in June, but the main festival is in September, not in June. Mm-hmm. Why is that? In some ways, I think it's kind of a good thing because we get to celebrate Pride like twice more than other cities. Yeah, I, I, there's so many benefits. You know, it's like to what you just said. It's you know, Pride is not shouldn't just be a one month thing. It should be more of a a year round thing um, to to recognize this community. You know, we initially moved our festival to September because of COVID. Um, 2020, we we didn't have one. So in 21, we were able to pull it off. Uh, I think we had a little over 50,000 attendees that year. Um, You know, we did have a bunch of COVID protocols, but there were no cases of community spread. We proved that we could put on a public event, a pretty large one, uh, safely. What we found by doing it in September was a whole list of benefits that we hadn't expected um, had we not moved it before. Um, you know, for one, the weather is typically way more tolerable. <laughs> Our last several years, you know, 90 to 100 degrees in June, it gets really rough when you're standing out there in the festival all day long in the sun and the the talent appreciated the lower temperatures um, being on stage um, as often. So that was a huge benefit. Um, Big people like myself appreciated that as well. Um, We were able to attract uh, and and afford talent that we normally wouldn't be able to afford in June when you're competing against every other major Metropolitan Pride Festival. Um, And you're also paying a Pride premium. where those performers get more because they are in more demand for all the festivals across the nation at the time during June. Um, And being as big as our festival has gotten, we're still in Idaho. We're still in Boise. We don't have Seattle money. We don't have San Francisco money. We don't have Salt Lake City Pride you know, money. So that's a, a huge benefit to, to this area in that we're able to attract talent. We're able to attract vendors that normally had to make a choice of, do I go to Boise Pride or do I go to Salt Lake Pride? Um, and in, if they're going to choose one, they're going to go the one that, that is, is bigger, obviously. That's, the, you know, that's their livelihood. 
Um, then thinking more forward, we see, okay, well, if we keep it September, then what do we do in June? So then that gives us the opportunity to develop new programs, new events um, for Pride Month specifically. It allows us to eventually extend more support to um, other Pride festivals in the state like um, Coeur d'Alene Pride Festival or the Pride Festival in Rexburg that we just had this weekend, where those are in communities that need a lot more support as they're still fairly early on in their infancy of their festival. And, and really building on those um, and, and, and growing their festivals. So just kind of big picture, we just saw a lot more benefits um, and it allows us to start expanding what we can offer for this community as opposed to just one festival in June every year. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a way to, to spread it out, like you said, like for the whole year. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about like the current political atmosphere around Pride, especially when it comes to trans members of the community. How are you and how is Boise Pride Festival dealing with all the hate? Are you able to ignore it? Do you feel like you have to confront it head on? Do you feel like it's more than other years, too? I want to ask you that. Like, do you feel like it's ramped up? I think it's cyclical, honestly. I mean, these mm. are attacks that we've seen numerous times. We saw it in the 70s. We saw it again in the late 80s, early 90s with uh, same-sex marriage, you know, um, mm getting a lot of pushback from the religious community. So, I mean, it, we're just kind of in that cycle again, but it does seem to be a lot more volatile right now. Um, the rhetoric is a lot more violent in nature than I remember it being uh, when I was younger. Um, how we deal with it? No, we're not We're not in a position we can ignore it. I mean, that's, that's obviously we have to, at least from my position, I, I always have to keep kind of my finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. We, otherwise, you know, you run the risk of setting yourself up for, for something. Myself being just a, a straight white guy, you know, it's easier for me to um, stand up to a lot of the bullies because at, at the end of the day, that's what these people are. They're just bullies and they're picking on targets that they deem as less than them. And, and a lot of them tend to shut up when they get somebody who is not afraid to stand up and then saying, you know, hey, pick on someone your own size kind of mentality. Um, you know, that's why when uh, last year Dorothy Moon made her, her statement um, prior to the our festival starting to kind of started the whole fiasco of what happened last year at the festival that I, I wanted to release a statement to kind of counterpunch that immediately and stand up to that and, and call her out and, and other people like her. Yeah, you mentioned last year. And I wanted to ask you about that. Like when there was a drag performance that was going to feature children whose parents had given consent for them to perform, the kids were very excited. And that came under fire. We had local corporate sponsors, including Idaho Power, Zions Bank, Idaho Central Credit Union, CapEd Credit Union, all dropped their sponsorship. And your organization ended up having to cancel the kid drag performance. Do you think those sponsors will come back on board this year? And would you even want them to? First off, they didn't drop their sponsorship. They just pulled back from their public presence, their physical presence. They still financially supported the festival. The only sponsor that that did not fund their commitment was the uh, Health and Welfare Department. And that was at the beckoning of the governor because it was an election year. So uh, they were the only ones that everybody else that you listed still you know, honor their financial commitment to the festival. Um, that being said, I'm not into rainbow wash sponsors. Um, that's not my game. And so there are, uh, you know, a couple of sponsors on that list that I, as long as I'm in this position and the current board is in their positions, we don't see 
a scenario where they will be invited back to participate in anything that Boise Pride Festival does. Um, there um, are others on that list, I would say the majority of them, that we might be willing to have a conversation about having a seat at the table again, whether that's this year or next year or four years from now. Um, but we will require some type of gesture or statement or something to the LGBTQ plus community here as a, as an olive branch to say like, you know, we're sorry, you know, in your time of need, we, we backed out on you. Um, and because this community notices that, and this community is spending their dollars accordingly, you know, and they're, they're avoiding spending dollars where they feel that they were abandoned, um, with all the events that happened last year. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Will there be an opportunity for kids to perform this year or have you decided that's just, you know, something that is too hot? Kids have minors have performed at our festival for its yeah. entire duration. That has never been new. The only thing that was new last year was was that we decided to highlight and and focus a part of the programming to to give them, you know, a a, a a spot in the pride guide saying, Hey, you know, to kind of drum up that some extra support for them. So they kind of got some more notoriety and felt a little more special about what they're doing versus just kind of being blended into the rest of the programming. That's the, was the only difference. And it just happened to coincide with this religious extremist, right? Targeting of, you know, drag and more specifically youth drag and, and their involvement or, you know, what have you. Um, so all the moons just happened to align last year. Well, you know, you were really active uh, this this last year against uh, the bill to ban um, public drag performance in the legislature. Are you expecting that challenge to come back again this ne- next year? Or do you think the legislator will like they'll back off on this particular issue? <laughs> They're not backing off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably hopeful no. thinking on my part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. But uh, no, I expect it again. I, I expect, um, you know, potentially three versions of an anti-drag bill to hit the legislature next year unless they decide to like get their heads together and consolidate into to one. Um, regardless, it'll get a lot of pushback. We'll get uh, a lot of organization around that again. I, I'd love to spend this next year between now and the next legislative session doing more of a an education on what drag is to the public because um, there's there's such a large swath of the public that that doesn't have any skin in the game one way or the other. They're easily roped into narratives sometimes because it's, it's easy to get swept into headlines and be like, oh, that's wrong. You know, it's kids or you know, whatever. So then how do we fight that? You, you fight that with education, you know, and teaching people what what is drag and, and how long. It, drag's been around for ever, <laughs> for forever. It was widely popular in the U.S. for decades um, until you started seeing targeting politically of the LGBTQ plus community um, and and laws that made it illegal to be gay, uh, you know, um, back in like the early 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. So you started to see drag leave vaudeville and, and go more into underground bars, you know, gay bars, and that like, that's where you saw the performances where they felt it was safe, you know. And then as we started building a movement to quote, come out of the closet, as they say, to where you didn't have to hide who you were, you know, um, and that's been building 
70s, 80s, since Stonewall riots, you know, and what established Pride Festivals to begin with. Um, you know, once you started seeing that movement grow, um, then drag started to come out of those places and become more public again and, and gain that notoriety again. And they're incredibly popular events, you know. Are there some drag performances that are probably a little too risque or, or maybe even inappropriate for, for certain age groups? Yeah, but I could say that about anything. You know, there's plays at theaters. Stand-up comedy. People sometimes bring kids to my shows and I'm like, hey, just gonna yeah. warn you from the top. This is not <laughs> for children. But if you're here with your kid, then you feel comfortable. Your kid feels comfortable. That's your call. Yep. Well, and you know, you're talking about how drag has been around forever, but Boise Pride has been around forever. I actually attended not the, I'm sure not the first, but one of the first Boise Pride events in Boise. I'm 90. One ninety two really dates me there, but uh, this is our thirty fourth year. Amazing! Oh my gosh, yeah. amazing! So, how, in your opinion, how have things changed since you know the first days of Pride, which I think the first ones were just at a park, were a lot smaller. How how have things changed since then? You know, there's there's probably other board members that might be better suited to answer that question because I mean I've lived in in Idaho since 2012, so this is like my 11th year. You know, I had gone to a handful of the festivals just as a attendee, um, you know, prior, and then just took this position last year. And so most of the history I know was what I've been told from some of our board members and, and community members that I've gotten to know over the year, um, years. You know, I know one of our board members um, was, I want to say, 13 or right around that age and was a participant of the very first Boise Pride Festival when it was oh, at the wow. park and they had to wear brown paper bags over their heads because there were protesters there throwing rocks at them and, oh and things of that nature. Um, and then to see where we are now, where we have... 60, 70 plus thousand people attending a, th a three day festival uh, with with just this air of of openness and happiness and acceptance and 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 non judgmental you know community just like it's just a really really amazing atmosphere um, for that weekend. the The protesters don't go away. I think that's something we always just have to plan for, especially living here in Idaho. Um, last year, like I said, this moons were in alignment so things were a little more heightened than usual but we always have some measure of protesters uh, at the festival which is part of the reasons we have it in the park where we do and why it's completely fenced off and and the entrances and exits are are very well maintained so protesters typically are outside and usually across the street um so i mean they can do their thing there but it, it doesn't interfere with what we do and with what the community wants to do and then my role is just to encourage the allies that show up to to be real allies don't just show up show up and be so on the face but actually get in the trenches and fight with them because because this community needs that right now they're under yeah. attack yeah absolutely so what do you hope for for Pride in the future? Like if you were to imagine, you know, uh, Boise's Pride in 20 years, what do you hope June or September looks like for the queer community in the future? I'll probably be dead because <laughs> I'm old now. Um, I don't think I'll make 20 years. Um, I, you know, honestly, I just I want to see it continue to grow. I want to um, I'd love to see us eventually get to a venue where we have more space to spread out because frankly we we outgrown the the park that we've been at the last several years we we kind of outgrew that space 
five, six years ago. And so looking to a, a bigger area that's still in the Boise area um, where we can expand on what we offer, um, I'd love to to do that, maybe develop like an area that's roped off and, and focus specifically on like kids and family oriented. So if we were able to get to a bigger venue and kind of stretch out a bit, then we could have like an area that's very much family focused. And if you didn't want to be in the main stage area for that, it's you know kind of like tree fort. You can kind of pick and choose where you want to go, you know, to what suits your mood at the time or the day that you're there. Because as much as we try to be open to everybody festival does very much have a, a more adult vibe to it um that's where a lot of the engagement is and so it'd be nice to kind of give give the kids more yeah yeah that sounds like you need more space and and uh and that would be i i love the idea of that of a more spread out pride because like you said the last couple of years when i've gone pretty packed but that's a good thing we love to see that so that's great yeah it's a double-edged sword but i just i love that idea of kind of having like different sections so you can kind of pick and choose like how you want your experience at the festival to be. Well, I can't wait to see how you grow and congratulations on your 34th year. And I will see you down at Pride. Donald, thanks for everything you do. Sounds good. Thank you. One more thing before we sign off. Boise City Council is expected to make a decision on Thursday about the new zoning code rewrite, but there's still time to voice your opinion. Hearings are taking place at Boise City Hall in the Mary Ann Jordan Council Chambers, and public testimony is being heard today from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. This is a word-of-mouth town, and we love hearing from new listeners who say they found us because a pal was talking us up. We'll be back tomorrow morning sharing our plans for the perfect summer day in Boise. Bye!